0: Now, folks, I don't want to scare you, but we have a second review. That's right. I've just been onto iTunes, and a second person has left me a review, and we've got eight ratings so far. I don't want to say that we've made it to the big time, but, you know... The star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame is surely just around the corner. (laughs) Ladies and gents, welcome to episode four. No, four? Where the fuck did I get four from? Six. Episode six of this podcast. If you're looking for episode four, you're like two podcasts too late. Uh, Hello, how are you? Hope you are all well and doing okay throughout the continued Corona madness. And obviously, if you're listening to this several years down the line, then yeah, we went through some shit. Uh, But here we go. Episode six and one that I hope is going to serve you guys quite well because today, quite apt with regards to everything we're going through, we're talking about snacking and how to stop snacking. To be more specific, because Lord knows I've fallen victim of this. Lord knows, you know, with the whole stuck indoors and not a lot going on, it's very easy to go, oh biscuit, oh another biscuit, oh no, now the biscuits are run even. I better have another biscuit. Lord knows custard creams are not my friend right now and so it's important that we touch on this subject because with a lot of people I've coached this is stuff we kind of touch on on a regular basis but then with regards you guys perhaps not but then also for those that we do touch on on a regular basis you know it's always nice to be reminded and fuck it it's content for the sixth episode isn't it so you know sit back or you know step back if you're out on your walk at the moment I hope the weather's nice. It has been in the UK, so I'm hoping that you are enjoying your walk right now. Or if you're at home listening to this around the house, I'm hoping that your AirPods, headphones, whatever you're using, are blocking out the sound of your screaming children. That's what our house tends to be like anyway. So, snacking. Now, I really put some deep thought into this one in terms of kind of giving you guys the simplest way of thinking about how you can kind of keep the snacking at bay. And I've come up with basically five points, five key things to do to minimize snacking. Because for a long time, I used to say that hunger was the enemy of dieting. And on the surface, yeah, we can very much think that that is the case. You know, the reason why people don't stick to diets, stick to programs, continue calorie deficits for longer than, you know, they probably should is because of hunger, but it actually runs deeper than that, it's it's our own brains that get in our way, so technically hunger isn't the issue when it comes to dieting, because hunger is a natural feeling, we're supposed to feel hungry, you know, and the response to hunger is actually to eat, you know, it's a physiological thing, but obviously living in the 21st century, living in the lives that we live, you know, and being quite evolved from our ancestors, our hunger signals are pretty fucked up, you know. The uh, the hormones that regulate things, ghrelin and leptin, they're not as accurate as they probably should be when it comes to ascertaining, you know, should we eat and how much. But anyway, let's get into the nitty gritty. And touch on the fact that first and foremost, like I said, hunger is a natural part of the journey. It's something that we're meant to feel and it's not something that should be avoided. You know, we the whole point of a deficit, the name of the game is that we're being deficient of calories, deficit deficient. So, of course, hunger is going to be a part of a calorie deficit, so you have to expect it, okay? Do not go into this podcast, do not go into your journey, your program, whatever, thinking that you are not going to be hungry because you're going to have a bad time if that's your mindset. Hunger is a natural part of it, like I said, so expect it, and most importantly, understand it. So, here's what I've broken it down into. Point number one, without question, is structure. Now, what I mean by structure is you'll be amazed the amount of people that use their hormones as a guide, that just eat as and when. Now, don't get me wrong. When it comes to structure, you want to be honest about your structure. You'll be amazed how many people I've worked with which eat breakfast purely out of habit as opposed to out of hunger. They wake up in the morning and I go, well, I've always eaten breakfast first thing, so I'm going to eat breakfast first thing. And it actually doesn't serve them because they're not hungry. They're just eating it out of habit. In actual fact, for a lot of people, one of the very first things that I do is I say to them, don't have your breakfast when you get up in the morning, have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, whatever, glass of water, whatever you need, and then delay your breakfast, push it to later in the day, you know, maybe backload your calories a bit more, because willpower folks is a little bit like a battery, which like you on your iPhone, depletes over the course of the day, and so you've got plenty of willpower in the morning, okay, we'll touch more on this in a little while, but... In the morning, it's quite easy to resist. It gets trickier as the day goes on. And where do the majority of our calories come from? The afternoon, dinner, and the evening. So, structure first and foremost. You cannot expect to beat the hunger demon if you don't have any kind of meal structure to your day. If you don't know when your next meal is going to be, it's very, very difficult to stop yourself from snacking. Because sometimes we could be in front of the biscuit cupboard thinking, "Mm, I'm not actually that hungry for a full meal, but I'm a little bit peckish, so I'm going to have a snack. So what we need to do is make sure that we have lunch in place, we have dinner in place, and maybe we have our planned snacks in place. Same thing with regards breakfast, etc. You know, we need to make sure that we do have some kind of structure to our day. So without question, before you worry about anything else, make sure you've actually got a structure when it comes to your day and food. You know, when are your meals coming? So that if you're ever feeling peckish, which again, we'll touch on more in a little while, it's, you've got that ability to go, you know what you're eating in an hour, don't snack. Remember when your mum or your parents would used to say that to you? No, you can't have that now, you've got dinner in an hour. Fuck it, I say it to my triplets all the time. Same thing, okay? We want to have that abil- the ability to say that to ourselves. So number one, structure. Number two, Once we have that structure, we need to look at what we're consuming. So number two on my lovely list here is satiety, being satiated, feeling full. How do we do that? Well, first and foremost, we need to understand that our stomach doesn't have a calorie counter. It has a volume counter. You feel full from the size of your meal, for one of the aspects anyway. And so... This is where salad, veg, etc. do come in very handy. You could bulk out a meal while keeping the calories to a minimum. So if you're looking at your diet going, oh my God, I'm hungry all the time. The first thing I would do is look at your dinner plate and go, how much salad and veg are you having? An optimal, and I'm talking optimal, and this isn't realistic for a lot of people, including myself, but an optimal meal plate should be about 50% salad or veg. So it really does put things into perspective when you think actually... Are my meals as big as they possibly could be? You know, and of course that's where fiber comes in. But one of the biggest things that is going to keep you satiated is protein. Making sure that you are revolving your meal choices around a protein ingredient. You know, it be a piece of chicken, pork, piece of fish, whatever. You know, you know some mints. It doesn't matter. You know, and if you're vegan, vegetarian, then some beans, pulses, lentils, that kind of thing. Eggs, if you will, not so much vegan, but you know what I mean. You've got to make sure that you've got protein in your diet because protein has a very high effect on your TEF, the thermic effect of feeding. In other words, it takes your body a lot of calories. Your body has to expend a lot of calories to extract calories from protein. Now, that's very good at making you feel full for longer. Okay, you'll spend a lot more time satiated. You'll feel a lot fuller from a meal that is high in protein. And so it's not just about muscle and protein, come on. It's about the food that you consume and about keeping you satiated. It's also, like I said, about muscle retention, etc. But we're talking about just stopping snacking here or reducing snacking. And that comes from making sure that your meals actually fill you up. If you have your lunch, which is some fucking toast, and then you're hungry an hour later, yeah, you probably should look at that toast and look at how you can make it a more filling meal. The whole purpose of a meal is it's supposed to satiate you and get you almost to the next meal. So if you find that you're hungry pretty soon afterwards, and I don't just mean out of habit and craving, I mean genuinely hungry, you need to look at how you're choosing the foods which go into your meals, okay? So satiety without question is point number two, okay? Are we there yet? Okay, are we ready? Point number three, indulgence. As much as it's important to have structure in our diet. It's important to have a good diet, veg, salad, protein, as we've just touched on. We need to have the ability to indulge in the foods that we love, the foods that we enjoy. I've seen far too many people's diets, programs, whatever, go wrong because they deprived themselves, because they removed all the fun. They took the alcohol away, they took the chocolate away, the biscuits, all of it was removed from their diet because they deemed it was the devil's food, and so they weren't allowed it. And all that ended up doing was creating not only this hierarchy of food where food is good and bad, which is just utter bollocks and is the fastest way to create an eating disorder, but they ended up creating massive cravings which then led to binges because they felt deprived. Your diet is, and being on a program, reducing your body fat is designed to increase your quality of life, not reduce it, and therefore... We shouldn't be removing the things that we love. Yeah, fucking hell, we've got to moderate it, you know. A general kind of rule of thumb is maybe an 80-20 split where 80% of your diet comes from nutritious, highly palatable, not highly palatable is the wrong word, nutritious, highly nutrient-dense foods, and then the 20% comes from the shit that you enjoy. But obviously, that changes on a day-to-day basis. It all depends on you, your life, and what's going on that day. You know, if it's your birthday, it's probably not going to be an eighty-twenty split in the way of nutritious food. It's probably going to be the other way around, maybe in a hundred percent split in the way of kind of the the shittier food, if you will. So indulgence is really key. Don't deprive yourself. Recognise that there's got to be some moderation in there, obviously, but don't fucking take away all the stuff you enjoy. It's the fastest way to an eating disorder and it's the fastest way to completely fuck up your progress because you will binge I guarantee you that you will go off the rails at some point if you remove all the shit you enjoy and you know I'm speaking the truth because you've done it how many times have you gone I really need to tidy my diet up and you've removed all that stuff and then within maybe a few hours for some people, myself included, uh, or a few days for others, a few weeks, whatever, you've gone, I can't do this anymore. And you've gone, oh, I'd kill for a pizza right now. You know, you start fantasizing about food. The reason for that, if I put a giant button in front of you right now so do not push, you're going to push it. The moment someone tells you that you can't do anything or can't do something, you're going to want to do it even more, you know? It's a bit like if I said to you right now, do me a favor, don't, what were you, what are you most likely doing right now? You know, if, if you're walking, do me a favor, don't look at the sky. You probably looked at the sky. You know, or do me a favor, don't look at your phone, perhaps. You may very well have just looked at your phone. But, you know, these may be bad examples, but basically we are all naughty kids. If we're told what to do, if we're told we can't do something, it makes us want to do it more. And that doesn't go away, it grows. Okay, so like I said, indulgence, make sure that you allow for the foods that you enjoy within moderation and within the constructs or the parameters of your program. Okay, so if it gets to the evening, don't be afraid to put in a planned snack. Okay, we're talking about how to stop snacking but I probably should reiterate that's more about how to stop picking, you know, how to stop snacking unscheduled. One of the most successful diets or successful structures I've ever seen for a diet is to delay breakfast, have perhaps a snack early or kind of mid-morning, but, you know, the most successful one I've seen is first meal of the day is lunch because the morning, you know, you're busy. Again, touch on that in a minute. Mid-afternoon, 3.30, you have a planned snack, then you have your dinner, then you have a planned snack slash dessert in between dinner and bed okay, those are prime opportunities for you to indulge in the things that you want, the chocolates, the biscuits, the alcohol, etc., you don't have to remove these things from your diet to see progress, and it's vital, in fact, if you remove them from your diet, I can almost guarantee you won't see progress, unless you are a fucking monk, and even then, monks like biscuits, damn sure of it, moving on, (laughs) point number four, we've touched on structure, satiety, indulgence, Now, we're going to touch on mental activity. Now, I couldn't really put another way of... I I was going to put busyness, but basically, there's an old saying, the devil makes work for idle hands, and the devil also makes work for idle minds, in the sense of, if you are not busy, if you are kicking around doing fuck all, you are going to think about food, you're going to get hungry, okay? It's not going to be true hunger, but you've got nothing else to do. So, what's going to end up happening is you're twiddling your thumbs, you're not really doing much, maybe flicking through Facebook, etc. And you're going to get a load of hunger signals from the ghrelin demons that are going to turn around and say to you, go and have something to eat. Think about it. When you've had a really full on day at work, when you've had a really, really busy day, I don't know, doing stuff around the house, etc. I know from personal experience, you get lost in it. You get into a flow state, you find a rhythm, and you're just cracking on. And before you know it, you go, oh my God, look at the time. Hell, even during this quarantine, I've had three separate occasions where I've been cracking on with my day, just ticking boxes, getting stuff done, DIY, all that jazz. And I've looked at my clock and it's been four o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't eaten anything all day. I've literally just had coffees, but I've been focused on what I'm doing. So one of our biggest things, and I, I need to stress, this one to five list is not in order of you know importance they're all as important as one another and mental activity keeping yourself busy is just as important as anything else you know you could do all the other stuff but still find that you're snacking and it's probably because you're not keeping yourself busy you need to make sure that your mind is doing something otherwise it's going to do nothing but drift onto the thought of food and you're going to reach for the custard cream maybe breaking them in half and licking the middle chewing the middle whatever it depends on how you eat yours and Same thing goes for cream eggs. And you're going to end up snacking. You're going to end up picking. So keep yourself busy. You know, whether that's doing, like I said, DIY, doing work, you know, doing chores. It doesn't matter. Tick some boxes, particularly first thing on the day. And that's also one of the reasons, like I said to you guys earlier, that your willpower tends to deplete as the day goes on. During the morning, during the day, you tend to be pretty busy. You know, we're not often twiddling our thumbs in the morning. It's more kind of afternoon, evening as we start to get tired and we start to wind the day up, if that makes sense. So, like I said, the devil makes work for idle minds. Make sure you keep yourself busy. And finally, this one had to be in there because you'd be amazed how many fucking people think that all of these tips are magic and all of a sudden it's like, wow, I don't require any discipline or anything whatsoever. Point number five is discipline and mindfulness. Now, technically this would maybe be a five and six, but I wanted to group them together because it's kind of, it does make a lot more sense to do it that way. And what I mean by that is, discipline and mindfulness so first things first discipline too many people think that following a kind of approach where you don't have to i don't know uh you can kind of eat whatever you want and as long as it's in moderation they think that oh i'm not going to require any discipline to do that it's the structure is going to be enough bollocks is it you are going to have to be disciplined with yourself you're going to have days where you're hungry for no fucking reason girls you're going to have times when you're hungry for an entire week once a month for not no reason but you're going to find that your hunger massively goes through the roof during that week for no reason other than hormones so Discipline is going to have to come into it. You're going to have to show some self-restraint. You're going to have to show some discipline at some point and go, right, I'm doing all the other stuff, but I'm still peckish. Okay, I just need to get to my next meal. Understand, you know, using the other tools like, okay, I know my next meal is because I've got structure. I know that that meal is going to satiate me. I know that my last meal satiated me. I know I don't need to eat and I know that I'm not restricted. I've got the ability to enjoy the foods that I want to enjoy and I know that I've kept busy, you know, but sometimes we're just going to have to be disciplined with ourselves to go, no, don't have a fucking biscuit, you don't need to, people can go weeks and weeks and weeks without eating, I can go a few hours not having a custard cream, fucking hell, I've touched on custard creams quite a bit in this one, haven't I, um, and on the second part of that, mindfulness, now, mindful eating is being aware of what you're doing, and general mindfulness is the same thing, just being aware of what your body's doing, asking yourself the question, when you go to reach for a snack, it's all about checkpoints, That's what mindfulness is designed. I always picture a road, right? And then you've got yourself driving down that road and you've got your destination, okay? And destination is the cupboard. Biscuits, whatever. You know, having a snack. Now, being mindful is placing a checkpoint. And you could picture some armed personnel with a red and white fucking barrier across the road, rifle in hand, and you slow up because they flag you down and they come up to your window, ask you to wind the window down. So <coughs> that's the window winding down for those of you 90s kids that had cars that didn't have electric windows. Anyways, I'm losing myself in the story. Hopefully you're in this moment with me and you're picturing this, right? So they walk up to the window and they go, excuse me, um, are you actually hungry? That's the whole idea of a checkpoint. That's mindfulness in in its simplest form. That ability to stop yourself, to just take a moment to pause, to pull over, take a moment to stop and just question yourself. Are you actually hungry right now? Are you bored? Is it an emotional response to something you're going through? You know, is it a stress response, whatever? The whole purpose of a checkpoint, the whole purpose of mindfulness is to give you the opportunity to make a different choice. Now, sometimes we need to do more drastic measures. We need to take ourselves out of the situation and go, right, I'm going for a walk. I need to be out of the environment of food. And sometimes it's needed. Sometimes if you find, particularly with emotional eating, you need to take yourself out of a dangerous situation. You know? So you need to remove yourself from that to give yourself a moment to think because we are very emotional creatures. And so when we get wrapped up in emotions, we need mindfulness. We need those military checkpoints in our mind to stop us and go, are you sure you want to continue to a destination or do you want to turn around and go back the other way? Now on occasion, we're going to go, yep, Okay, I, I do want to get to that destination and the military man is going to go, okay, cool, you've passed the checkpoint, open the barrier, off you go. But it's giving yourself the ability to stop, think, and just pause. So there we go, discipline and mindfulness. So in summary, folks, because fuck knows anybody that's worked with me or listened to anything that I've ever done knows I love to summarize or repeat myself as the way things go. So number one, structure. Number two, satiety, protein, protein. Big meals. Number three, indulgence. Don't fucking deprive yourself like a dickhead. All food is equal. You just have to make sure that you moderate things that are potentially higher in calories. Number four, mental activity. And number five, discipline and mindfulness. But what we've got to get into our heads is that snacking is not a bad thing. Mindless snacking is. We need to be in control of our actions. We're not always in control of our emotions, but we need to make sure that our emotions don't lead us, you know. We need to make sure that we are disciplined with ourselves sometimes. And to leave you guys with my final analogy, which I've used with quite a few clients. Imagine, right, and ladies, I'm going to use this one for you because it's mostly ladies I tend to work with. Gents, you can replace, you know, the person at the bar with Scarlett Johansson if you want to, but, you know, or whoever you like, I don't know. So, ladies, imagine you are out with the girls, okay, hubby's at home, now you love hubby, you've got kids together, you've got an amazing life, you know, it's, you know, you're settled, you know, you're settled, and so you're out with the girls, you're having a brilliant night, okay, and you're up at the bar, getting a drink, etc., and then this tall, dark stranger walks up to the bar next to you, taps you in the shoulder and goes, excuse me, can I buy you a drink? Now, you turn around and you are greeted with your, like, dream celebrity, could be, I don't know, Gerard Butler, um, Jason Momoa, I don't know, whoever you like. And they're stood there going, can I buy you a drink? And you're like, oh my God, it's them. And you're just completely starstruck in that moment, right? And so you go, yeah, go for it. You know, okay, yeah, you could buy me a drink. It's only a drink. It's fine. So buys your drink. And while you're waiting for those drinks to come, you guys are chatting back and forth. You're just, you know, chatting about. Price of fish, whatever, you know, just not not the price of fish. That's not romantic, is it? You know what I mean? You're just, you're talking back and forth and you're like, oh my God. And the whole time this beautiful man in front of you is talking, you're like, oh my God, you you just, you get me. And you start to open up a little bit more and the drinks come and, you know, you don't even realize the drinks have arrived and an hour, two hours pass and you fuck knows what your friends are thinking. They're probably wondering why you haven't bought the drinks, but either way, you're still in the conversation. And you realise that, oh my god, this 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 man is perfect. Not only is he my he my ideal physically, but just to talk to, he's we just get each other emotionally. And so the night draws to a close. Last orders is rung at the bar. Is there still a bell? I don't know. It's been a long time since I've been in the pub. <laughs> Fucking sheiks, the lights get turned on. I don't know. And the man turns around and says, Look, I'm I'm leaving for LA tomorrow. Um do you want to come back to my hotel room? We can continue our conversation and maybe have a few more drinks. You know what that means, obviously. But in that moment, you remember what you have at home. You remember your partner. You remember the stories of your life together. You remember your children. You remember the, the, the life you've built together, all the funny moments, the good, the bad. And in that moment, you have a choice. You're at a crossroads. You could follow this seemingly dreamy man back to his hotel room and completely change your life forever or you can say thank you for the conversation, I enjoyed that, I enjoyed the drink, enjoyed our time together but I'm going to go back to my husband now. The reason I use that analogy with people is because snacking and impromptu emotional snacking is very similar to the same thing. That was poor English, but bear with me. In that moment, they're both emotionally-led responses. You are both, you know, you're feeling emotional about both things. Oh my God, this amazing man in front of me, he's perfect. You're looking at a snack, plate of food, exactly the same way. Oh my God, it's perfect. I want to eat it, you know? Maybe it's the case of both things, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But... Okay, serious for a second. The physiological response, what's going on in your brain, the chemicals, you know, the endorphins, the dopamine, etc., they are the same, okay? You are thinking about this amazing thing and you are imagining how good it tastes. But in that moment, in the relationship, at the bar, you remember what's important. You think to yourself, yeah, I could go with this man. There's an open opportunity. But if I do that, I'm going to jeopardize something that not only have I worked hard for, but something I really, really want. And it's the same thing with regards impromptu snacking. Granted, you know, I'm not going to get into the details of calories, et cetera, but it won't always be a catastrophic end like it would be if you went and slept with Jason Momoa, unless he's on your list and it's laminated like Ross and friends. But what I mean is, You've got an opportunity to be able to indulge, but your self-control, your discipline, your respect for the journey, the life that you have built overrides the emotion to do that thing. Make sense? So I use that one with quite a few of my clients just to remind them that it's never going to be as good as you think it's going to be and it's not worth jeopardizing everything that you've built to enjoy a mindless moment. Hopefully that made a lot of sense. But anyway, here we are, 26 and a half minutes into the sixth podcast, and it's time to wrap things up. Now, as we kicked off this podcast with, it's amazing, we have two reviews, we have eight ratings. Can we get double figures on the ratings? Can we do that? Do you reckon you could go and do that right now? you know, jump onto iTunes, click on how many stars you would give this podcast five uh, and do a little rating for me. You know, if you've got a second, just type a little review. Would be brilliant. Because like I said, the beauty of these podcasts is about sharing them. Please don't be a selfish twat and keep it to your ears and your ears alone. Okay, if you've gone, that was a really good podcast. I really enjoyed that. I think that would help other people. I would love you to jump on social media. I'd love you to open up your phone right now and click the share button and bung it up on Facebook and go, this is actually really good. You might want to listen to this. I would love for you to do that. It's the only way I'm going to impact more people. Or you can just be a selfish prick and keep it to your ears. You know, it's entirely up to you. Hell, I'm not going to know what you fucking do. There's no fucking analytics that say to me that Janice, who's listening to this, has gone and not clicked share. I'm not going to hunt you down and go, wait, you. You didn't click share on episode six of my podcast, you little shit. So yeah, anyways. Folks, thank you ever so much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. Please do let me know if you did, okay? You can do that with a review. I'd love for you to do that with, with the review. If you want to do it on Instagram, at Chris Moyes, go for it. If you want to do it on Facebook and you want to send me a message there, go for it on there. Uh, if you want to holler at me in the street and go, Oi, Moisey, podcast number six, really good. Go with that, okay? Whatever you like. Help carry a pigeon. Carry a pigeon. Fucking send me that. I've got a lovely bird feeder out the front. I can feed him at the same time. Ladies and gents, thank you ever so much. I will catch you on episode seven next week. And of course, if there are any suggestions with regards to topics for future podcasts, then please do let me know. And stay safe, stay at home, protect the NHS and all that jazz. And I ain't forgotten, just remember when it comes to snacking, progress, your transformation, your journey as a whole, remember, and particularly with life and everything that's going on right now, accept what you cannot change. Have the courage to change the things you can and the wisdom to know the fucking difference. See, I am remembering to put it in the end of a podcast. Folks, see you next time. Toodles.